How's it going? Great. I am just mixing up my drink here. Oh, very nice. Don't tell me yeah. what you're having yet, but I'm curious because you're mixing a drink and normally you drink White Claw. What are you mixing? I'm um I'm mixing a tea bag with hot water. <laughs> I'm so excited for our episode. I'm excited too. I'm glad we got some responses, mostly from Nicole, but at least she put a few in. And I, I know, hopefully a little... will not get a phone call right in the middle of this, but I might because my car will hopefully be wet ready at Schwab. Nice. Is it giving a little service? It's getting tires. That's it. new tires. New shoes. Ooh, I need some new tires. I know it's winter time, so I went and got like a a thicker tread tire. So now I'm having a Kit Kat and wine. Oh, what a mixture. Mm, what kind of wine are you drinking? I'm having white wine, and it's the same one I always have in a little box, but we don't have to judge. It's fine. No judgment. It's Pinot Grige. Yum, yum. Mm-hmm. It's. I think I'm on my last glass, so now I'm going to have to change it up. Tis the season for red wine. I have a nice, super dry cab. Nice. Um, it's delicious. And I filled it to the rim. Yum. Love a that. Little, like one good glass of wine goes a long way. Oh, yeah. More than I originally believed. Wine hits different. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's hangovers different too. True that. <laughs> I'm not addicted. I swear, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it... I'm like it's the only thing that makes me happy anymore. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, just like slaving away at your corporate job, but wine <laughs> is there for you. Yeah, yes. and Morgan is the living the stereotype. Where's your angry <laughs> wife? <laughs> And your spoiled kids. Yeah. <laughs> I just stop at Trader Joe's on my way home from work and get like a bottle of wine and drink it every night. Should so we get we're gonna... potatoes of our episode? Yes. Let's get into it. Yeah. Busting nutrition myths. Yes. And you know what? Actually, Libby, I like the one that you first mentioned when we brought up this idea and it was sugar. So let's talk about yeah. sugar. Yes. I actually, that was prompted. I was listening to a podcast while I was driving home from one of my buildings yesterday. And they like, they just kind of went on a little rampage for a minute that they were like, ah, sugar, it's so bad for you. And ah, sugar's the worst. Ah, man. But I love sugar. It's so addicting. And I, I just was like cringing and I wanted to do like a listener write in of bitch, (laughs) not bad for you. Um, but I didn't. So instead I texted you guys Love because that. <laughs> I think that a lot of people, you know, there is a huge, a huge misconception and that, um, that sugar is addicting and that sugar in all forms is bad for you. Um, mm-hmm. which we talked about, you know, it's a carbohydrate. We've talked about carbs extensively, but have yeah. you guys heard the thing where they compare sugar to heroin like it's just as addictive as heroin yes it's so so crazy like where did that even come from yeah and oh my gosh guys i see this all the time in the hospital too parents are scared to death of sugar yeah like they're they don't want to give their kids any sugar they like when i'm doing intake and asking them what their kids eat they 
a lot of times we'll say like, oh, we try not to give them any sugar or, oh, I know this has sugar in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then you like create that, like, I mean, it goes into a whole other thing of like binge eating and stuff and like having forbidden food and it's a whole thing that's terrible. Like if you allow them to eat candy occasionally, then they're not going to freak out when they get candy. Totally. And you know what's, uh, you know, what else is common in kids that don't get candy is hoarding or hiding food, like in their bedrooms. When it's forbidden, they'll like hide candy or other snacks that they know they're not supposed to have in their bedrooms, which is so sad to me. It is sad. So to debunk this, you know, let's talk about sugar. It's Libby, you mentioned the carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be added sugars and there can be natural sugars, which a lot of times people think all sugar is bad. And because certain fruits have a lot of fructose, which is a sugar, they should cut out fruits too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess on the, just to go into the added sugar thing. So overall, right. We, we as health professionals encourage people to limit the amount of added sugar that they consume, added salt, added fat. I mean, there's a lot of things, right? All things in moderation. Um, and in, in part of the added sugar is right, increased diabetes risk, um, the prevalence of obesity in our country. And a lot of that is attributed to kind of those hidden calories and mm-hmm. sugar, sugar is one of those like in a soda or even in like a Gatorade. Um, however, it you know the the misconception that it is addicting is false to a point i mean so there's been studies done on the effects of sugar and how it makes you feel and what like hormones it releases right so mm-hmm. there's certain things like endorphins that get released when you feel pleasure or when you are happy right mm-hmm. um, and sugar oh, when you eat food like any yeah, food yeah, any food, you release endorphins because you're feeding your body and your body's like, fuck yeah, man, I enjoy this. It's just so irritating to me because it's like, because it makes you happy, it's addicting and it's bad. It's like, no, it's it's not, you know, it's not really addicting in that term. And I think that what what is really like what people are trying to address is like that we overconsume sugar. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't say that's wrong. Right. Because we do. Right. Because it is delicious. Yeah. Sweet foods are delicious, um, but it's not the enemy. It's not bad for you. All things in moderation. Eat the damn cookie. Right. And I kind of yeah. wonder, too, if it's less of the fact that it's sugar, but more of like if you're eating ice cream every night and it's hard for you to stop eating ice cream every night. Is it the actual sugar that's making you want ice cream every night? Or is it just the fact that you've been doing this for so long? Your brain is kind of like wired to want yeah. that food That's... that you're so used to eating every night. Like, what if it were chips? You would say, oh, I'm addicted to salt. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. really think that it's necessarily the sugar that you're addicted to. I think it's just you formed yeah. you formed a habit. Yeah. it's con- We're conditioned. Like, yeah. Pavlov's this, the I condition- can't go to bed and without brushing my teeth. Or, right. you know. Yeah. That also kind of ties into another common nutrition misconception. I don't know if I mean, this is kind of its own separate thing, but just in wellness culture today, how people are starting to separate nutrients from food, when in reality, we don't eat nutrients out of context. We eat foods with sugar or salt, Mm -hmm. you know, or protein. 
I think people have gotten a little bit too dialed into nutrition sometimes to the point that you start to think of it as just these disembodied like sugar like oh that candy bar is sugar well I mean it it does have a lot of sugar probably but it also has fats and maybe some micronutrients and it's it's food you know yeah yeah totally and I mean look at the supplement industry like they're so based off of just specific nutrients in general like if we're looking at it from most people would consider a healthy perspective there's so many supplements you can buy that have nutrients broken up like amino acids or specific vitamins like vitamin d or vitamin e vitamin a like all these vitamins that you can buy or collagen all of these or fiber all of these things are in food that you eat but we have shifted to such a nutrient focus rather than food focused that it's really appealing Mm -hmm. for people for some reason if you look at a protein bar it's got whey protein isolate or soy protein isolate. It's got maybe inulin as an added fiber. It's got, you know, added zinc or vitamins and minerals. And it's like all these different kind of components put together into this Franken Right. It's so true. And even the fruit thing kind of blows my mind. Because there's so many, which yeah. I think we've talked about this, but there's so many other great things that you're getting from fruit that it's crazy to me that people are omitting them from their diet because of the sugar that comes along with it yeah well and they're like omitting which okay is tomato a fruit or vegetable nobody ever knows um they're like omitting tomatoes and they omit squash and like things that have too many carbs too much sugar in them it blows my mind like bananas the starchy fruit Oh yeah, yeah. Forget the yeah. potassium. Yeah, you you bananas are horrible. Yeah. Like people are so crazy, so crazy. If like, you're being exhausting, <laughs> if you're being told that fruits and vegetables are in some way bad and you should cut them out of your diet, you're getting the wrong advice. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes, love that. Okay, let's move on. We have questions to answer. In conclusion, how do we feel about sugar? Well, okay, I do want to mention with the sugar, it's important to distinguish, right? Because there is some evidence that sugar can lead to low-grade inflammation in the body. An excess of added sugar, um, it can elevate your C-reactive protein levels, things like that, that are markers of inflammation, right? Um, Even affecting your cholesterol levels long-term. But that is eating added sugars in excess, okay? Eating some added sugars or eating fruits or things containing natural sugars is not going to have that same effect. Yes, that's a great point, Cody, because we did mention that there's the recommended limit and that's there for a reason. And so... Do you know, do you know the actual recommended limit for added so sugars? So I know I know that added sugar right now we have it at twenty five grams of added sugar per day. So this wouldn't include like fruits and vegetables, for example. Yeah. Okay, so that's for women. Yes, and I don't know if it's different for men because I'm not a man, <laughs> and I don't really pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I think I have to check on that. Yeah, I think and so like for a reference. If you were drinking like a glass of chocolate milk and it says 24 grams, 12 of that counts towards your 25 for the day. The other 12 is natural carbohydrate found in milk. Yes. And yep. then if you're eating that, that doesn't count as added sugar. But yeah. 
you eat that eat banana. banana. Ooh. Don't you worry. Um, um, I also just quickly, okay, if if you're like following, I've noticed a lot in like vegan recipes, it calls for instead of using like a granulated sugar, um, it calls for like agave nectar or honey or, you know, all these other forms of sugar. Okay. Sugar is sugar is sugar. Period. Yes. Okay? If you're adding it into your food, it's still a sugar. It does not matter. Like just an FYI, granulated sugar, it came from a sugar beet or a sugar cane that is grown like a plant and then just essentially baked down and distilled and processed. I don't want to use the word processed, right? Because it does go through a process. However, it's still a fucking plant. Exactly. The end. Yeah. Also, agave nectar and coconut sugar or, you know, cane sugar, they go through a process too, maybe a little bit less, but they're both concentrated forms of sugar. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We could get into what processed food even means. Can we talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, we had a few write-ins. I can pull them up and we'll just start going through them. Someone wrote in, is it bad for me to eat late at night? What are our thoughts? Yeah. This is a super common myth. Yes. Yeah. I feel like, again, this one is kind it's not exactly black or white, but I would say the short answer is no. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. And I agree, Cody, that it's not totally black and white because your overall diet is what matters the most, right? So what do you eat most of the time? Are you eating generally pretty healthy most of the time then you're probably fine but there we don't have to get into intermittent fasting but there is some research that shows that nutrition and like the circadian rhythm and fasting Mm -hmm. and not necessarily I don't want to promote fasting but there's some research out there that shows fasting for a certain amount of time can have some positive effects on your body so Mm -hmm. over time not getting that period of period of fasting in overnight could have maybe some negative effects, but there's not enough research out right now to say that there for sure is like, that would for sure happen. If that makes sense. That was very choppy. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot to it, right? What was, was it related to weight gain? The no, question? there was Sorry. no other details other than, is it bad to eat late at night? Okay. Yeah. Because kind of along those lines, you know, I've heard people say that if you eat late at night, you will gain weight or it'll all turn into yeah. fat, things yeah. like that. Overall, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this, right? If you are eating a lot of food or a decent amount of food right before bed, what happens when you lay down and go to bed? Well, that food, when it's moving through your digestive system, you don't have the help of gravity anymore. So that, I mean, that's actually like an aspect of that too, right? If you are in an upright position after you eat it actually allows your your gi tract to like more efficiently digest and absorb your food okay cody i did not know that and it explains so much yeah gravity i always eat all you can eat sushi and then take a nap and it explains why i wake up feeling just (laughs) as full as i did when i took my nap yeah and if you have any reflux or GERD that's going to exacerbate that oh my right gosh. learning a lot so it's yeah. like right away that's one component to it aside from just the whole energy metabolism and fasting thing yeah 
And it's also dependent on the person. So the to just say, is it bad for you? As someone who has pretty severe reflux, um, if I eat right before bed, I cannot sleep and I have to sit in the upright position and or sleep in the upright position, uh, right? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like if you're if you're a diabetic, then you really have to eat right before bed and you're supposed to because mm-hmm. it has to do with insulin regulation. Um while you're asleep so you don't go low while you're asleep and die um and if say um you know some people do metabolize food faster than others and have to eat more frequently that is also a thing so if you wake up every day at 2 a.m starving then you betcha you should probably eat a snack before bed because that might help you um to stay asleep longer think of like a baby right babies have to have a full tummy to sleep through the night there's situations where yeah. if someone might be looking to gain weight or maybe you, they are like a bodybuilder or an athlete and they need those extra calories for and protein for repair overnight, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I maybe to... it doesn't bother their stomach. Yeah. And I just watched like a super interesting, I won't get into it, but it was a super interesting video from like a professor in Amsterdam and it was on, um, uh, oh shit. Uh, sarcopenia and the older adult and like um, adequacy of protein intake in the older adult and in the geriatric population and like how eating like a protein rich snack right before bed is actually like positively impacting muscle stores. I mean, it's super interesting, but, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of newer, newer research for sure. But um, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of positives to Mm -hmm. it and it's also very circumstantial. Um, but the short answer is no, it's not bad for you. I would say if someone is looking to lose weight, think about the way you're using the energy from your food, right? If you do take in a lot of energy and then you go and sleep, your body is in a resting state and you're not expending energy, right? You're resting, you're breathing, your heart is pumping, sure. But that's more your resting energy expenditure, whereas you're not using that for activity. And so, yeah, some of that energy um, probably will be stored, you know, whereas if you eat a lot of calories during the day, you're fueling that activity level throughout your day. Yeah, I think that's true, Cody. But don't you also think that it's more about like overall expenditure and intake rather than the timing of it or do you think that that really matters I think yeah we should go back to that that's number one obviously like within a 24 hour I mean your body doesn't have like a cutoff or a deadline or a clock it's this this dynamic thing that is like it's more important that you focus on overall adequacy so getting the proper amount of calories throughout your whole day and throughout your week on average I just kind of bring that up because it is I mean we know that nutrient timing is also a factor I mean if you look at athletes and you are trying to optimize their carbohydrate intake for example before a race we know that nutrient timing and delivery is a component but that's probably further down the priority list than overall Right. Yeah. I think think for like a weight loss perspective, one of the things that you look at, right, is where are we, where can we cut calories in our day 
that doesn't involve us being starving. And that's when maybe that bedtime snack that we do would come in handy. But also on the same goat, there's also some evidence with like small frequent meals throughout the day and improved weight reduction. Um, and it has to do with like curbing, curbing cravings, curbing cravings, um, and, and like, you know, changing, changing the way that we're eating so that we eat less at one time, we still get adequate energy throughout the day, but we're not like hardcore binging when we, when we find a food because we haven't been starving all day. Cause all we ate was like a piece of lettuce and, right. and somebody's soul. So, um, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Next question. next question. Let me pull up our page. This one is going to be hard for us to answer. I feel like underrated foods that should be included in most people's diets. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> Cody, go. Beans. Omega-3 fatty acids ah. for Americans. We don't yes. get enough. And fiber. All things fiber. Okay. Peas, lentils, pulses, legumes. Yes. Love that. Okay. When I first read this, I'm like, I have no clue. But you guys are so right. I love anything including fiber and omega-3s. Yes. Well, that was another slightly related myth that she had about fat, right? She had one about Yeah, fat. there's one that said, so this is a different, that was a different person. There's one that says fats, are they bad for me? But before we address that, let's go back to the underrated foods because we mentioned yeah. how our society is so like nutrient focused and we just said fiber and omega-3s. So let's talk about what foods those would be in. <gasps> We totally just did it. We are it. nutrient focused. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> um, no, that's no, that's an excellent point. For my for mine, fiber, right? Fresh fruits, vegetables, fresh frozen canned. Um, frozen and fresh are better for you know what's funny? But I mean those are I was thinking of like nutrient deficiencies. Yeah. That... Well, you know what's funny? The reason I recognize that is because we just had a presentation from the other dietitian at work and she mentioned how like a lot of our content that we make is food first. It'll say like make sure you're getting a lot of foods with vitamin D, but we don't say like make sure you're getting like yeah. what those are. So we've that's come to my attention and now I notice it good, more. Good point. Okay, yeah, so fiber. Okay, fresh, so back to fiber. Fresh and frozen fruits and vegetables are the highest in fiber versus canned. Um, and then things like beans, peas, lentils, all of the things that we don't eat a lot of in this country, um, whole grains. So that is, you know, your brown breads. And look at the label and it says like 100% whole wheat, um, whole grain pasta, brown rice versus white rice or wild rice versus white rice. Um, what else am I missing for yeah. fiber? I mean, I think that's the bulk of it. Yeah, I think you covered it. Yeah. The bulk of it. Ha ha ha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fiber adds <laughs> 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 I think we should have the whole one on pooping someday. Oh, love I love that. to talk about poo. We could talk about oh the Bristol school, stool scale. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yep. Okay, so with the omega threes, so I did say that that is a nutrient. Um, <laughs> they foods that you would want to eat that have lots of omega threes 
would be um, things like fish, which has DHA and EPA. And then walnuts or flax seeds would be like plant-based sources, which would have ALA, which is the plant-based omega-3. So things like, yeah, fish, fatty fish, tuna, and then halibut. Even like, what is another? What's in the? Yeah. Um, I do think halibut. Does halibut count as a fatty fish? I feel like it does. I, I don't, don't know. Act- cod does. I don't actually yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Herring, mackerel, and then for the plants, plant-based sources, I can only think of like walnuts, flax seeds, yeah. chia seeds. Yeah, I think seeds, that's almonds, right? Yeah. Which are also a yep. great source of fiber. So those are <laughs> things we need more of. Nuts and seeds, not fish. Yeah. <laughs> Two and one. <laughs> cool. I think those are high. All yeah. So let's let's foods. roll into fats from that then, because we were just talking about them. Yeah, we had a question. Are fats bad for me? Take it away, Morgan. This be sh- this be yours. So quick answer is no. And I think most people tend to think of fats as either good or bad, which in the dietitian world we've kind of try to stay away from but typically and traditionally your saturated fats are considered your less healthy fats right and in the past have been called the bad fats but we don't call them that anymore because it's not necessarily bad for you but just like sugar when eaten in excess there can be more negative health consequences that you get from that but then when you look at the other side, the healthier fats, the unsaturated fats, those actually have like positive health effects on you. So no, fats are not bad for you and no fats will not make you fat. I think that's what most people wonder when they say are fats bad for me is if they'll make you fat. And yeah. No, they, they won't. But just like any macronutrient when eaten in excess, they can yeah, fats fats have more energy per gram, yes. right? So it's like you don't really have to try and well, okay, that's a different topic. But they are very energy yes. dense. Um and then when Morgan says saturated fats, we she we it means whatever words, wine, they're mixing. Um so saturated fats are typically like things found in animal products such as dairy, beef, pork, chicken, um, so it's saying, mm-hmm. and things like think of butter. It's a solid at room temperature. That is a saturated fat. Um, it's yeah. also found in coconut oil. Okay. It is not the end all save all. Um, and then unsaturated fats that we talked about. That's like our omega threes that's found in your fishes, your nuts, your seeds, your more, your vegetable based, um, fat sources. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither yeah. are good or bad. You can use them all. So, yeah, no, they're not bad for you. Yeah. Yeah, they're actually like the EPA and DHA and ALAs and omega-3s that I was talking <laughs> about earlier. And omega-6s actually are essential fatty acids. So your body can't make those. So you have to eat them in your diet. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. really important for your brain. Like if you don't, if you don't eat them, you could get essential fatty acid deficiency, which is really bad. So I I don't think a lot of people have a problem with 
not getting enough fat. It's actually really hard to not eat enough overall fat in your diet. But these omega-3s, those we are kind of, we tend to underconsume here. And they're finding too, you want one of the ways you can lessen inflammation in the body is working towards a more favorable um, omega-3 to omega-6 fat ratio because omega-6s are more pro-inflammation and omega-3s are more anti-inflammatory. So it's always good to try, if, if you're eating a pretty typical American diet, it's important to try and include more of those omega-3s. When we have our discussion with our, you know, longevity expert, um, we're actually going to, it's a huge thing to do with, um, Cody talked about brain function and um, healthy, healthy fat contribution to that. And um, there's a lot of research around our, our omega-3s and 6s um, and longevity and um, mental clarity in our older age. So it's going to be something to look forward to everyone will be this episode because it's going to be freaking amazing. So <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Me either. All right. What's next? Next question is, are there foods that can improve my pH levels? I mean, the body tightly, tightly regulates your blood pH, right? That is only going to be between 7.35 and like Mm 7.4. And because if you go, if you sway either ways towards being slightly acidotic or slightly alkalotic it's bad bad news for the body because you can start to denature proteins and it and damage organs so that's like there's several hormones involved and your kidneys are involved and your lungs are involved in maintaining ph so it's not something that's just as simple as if you eat leafy greens you're going to make your blood more alkaline and you wouldn't even want that to be the case right because when that happens your body adjusts the other way like your kidneys take over your lungs take over whichever way exactly your pH is leaning your body will adjust for that and change it back because it's really not good when your ph is off i don't know if you think that you're making your body more acidotic or more alkalotic by eating certain foods you're honestly just you're diluting yourself it's not that if you eat foods that are slightly acidic or basic your body is going to neutralize it because and i mean (laughs) your your stomach is so acidic that because you know you need acids to break down the food so it doesn't matter what ph the food is you're eating your stomach is very acidic but your body will break down the nutrients and absorb them and then it probably won't impact your ph that much right like it's not like you eat the lettuce and then your bl- it goes right into right. your blood and makes your blood more right. alkaline. <laughs> but you know what's interesting? So the alkaline diet is mostly from what I looked up because I looked it up today. And it's from what I could understand, basically like a whole foods plant-based diet. So you eat a lot of plants mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to eat dairy or meat or highly processed foods. And so my first thought is that, yeah, if you're eating like that, you're probably going to feel a little better than whatever your previous diet was because the whole foods plant based diet is what we all kind of strive for, you know, and we've talked about that in 
last week's episode. So I think, yeah, like that can be a positive. Yeah, aspect if you're adding of it. more fruits and vegetables, which is the base of the alkaline diet. If you were not already right. previously eating that many fruits and vegetables, then you might feel a little better if you start including them. And it's not necessarily because that food is alkaline. It's because you need you needed those nutrients and that fiber. Yeah, like that aspect is good because you're including more positive foods. But I think when if people are actually following some of these so-called alkaline diets and the advice, it comes with a lot of food fear and... Um, things like the water mm-hmm. machine that you're going to have to spend all this money on and it's really just not totally <laughs> totally okay cool on to the next one and the last one we have Ooh, perfect timing i always feel puffy <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just laughing because this is my roommate i always feel puffy is that salt <laughs> are there foods i can avoid to feel less inflamed um, so to answer the puffy, to answer the puffy question, you being puffy can have a l- more to do than just your salt. So it does have to do with like your electrolyte balance in your body, right? But you can be puffy at different elevations. You can be puffy after you exercise. You can be puffy just when you wake up. You can be puffy. I mean, after you know, if you're dehydrated, it- if you're overhydrated, if you just ate, you know, a basket full of McDonald's fries. I mean. Because they're so salty. That's not a jab at McDonald's. Just they salt the shit out of their fries. It's too salty. Um, yeah. I mean, that's not a not an easy. It could be salt. It could also be other things. <laughs> Does puffy... I'm still trying to, like, figure out what puffy means. Is that, like, feeling no, bloated? I, I think of it like my... After I run, um, my fingers get swollen. Yeah, and I'm just speaking oh. from because I know my roommate obviously when she feels puffy it's like she can notice it in her eyes mm-hmm. like bags Not under her bags, eyes just puffy eyes if that makes yeah. sense so I think different people experience the puffiness differently but I Libby you're right like there's multiple things that could be going into it but salt can make you puffy and right because huge. I mean to me salt is a huge and it, to anyone Salt 100% can make you puffy. You betcha. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because when you eat salt, your body holds on to water to try to dilute the amount of salt you just ate. Right. Did I just make that? No, it's osmosis, areas of low concentration, high concentration. So your water, your fluids in your body go towards your salt and therefore makes you puffy. And it's the same like, when you're super dehydrated, sometimes you also get very puffy. And that's because of where where salt is concentrated in your body. And then the water, whatever extra fluid you have, is pulled out towards the salt that makes you puffy. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Because when you eat, say you eat a little more salt than normal in a day, your kidneys still have to process all of that and excrete it so in the meantime you have slightly more in your bloodstream Uh, right like higher sodium levels thus higher water and actually blood volume yeah and the the more fluids that you drink assuming your kidneys work properly the more fluids that you drink the faster that expels 
from your body because you're peeing more regularly. Right. Um, yes. Wow. So that, I don't, that's a myth that we can say yes. It, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. Right. Then there could be other factors, but yes. Yeah. So that's not even a myth. (laughs) It's not a myth. It's a fact. Not a myth. Oh my God. Yay. (laughs) This never happens. I feel like we're always busting myths and today we finally just accepted one the final one to end on what a success story this has been (laughs) cool that was oh my gosh that reminds me of renal dietitians oh my gosh i'm I'm all up on it man i I have so many renal patients so many i talk to a renal dietitian a day really every day you guys i can tell both of you do nutrition education like just the way that you explain things even (laughs) on the podcast i'm like they are talking nutrition on the daily and i feel like i'm out of that loop you know what morgan you like are in the loop because you know all of like the stuff that i forget about like dri Mm. normal people uh, like any you know like normal stuff i forget normal stuff and now i'm like oh no 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 don't eat that potato because I, I talk to people with kidney disease a lot and I'm like, well, shit, yeah, eat the potato. I'm so sorry. Like, I, I have a hard time sometimes disconnecting and I think of everyone as like an elderly person. And so I'm like, you know, like mm. my, I had like just today I have a really young patient um, in one of my buildings and oh. by really young, I mean like 50s, but that's really young to be in, in a skilled nursing facility anyway. Um, and I was like doing their their energy needs and I'm like looking and I was like holy hell and then like god they need a lot of calories you know because I use Mifflin St. Jor and it uses the age you know and I I was like oh my god what in the fuck is going on and then I look and I was like Jesus Libby it's because I was treating (laughs) them like they were a 90 year old man I was like (laughs) like you need a lot less protein than than my 90 year olds and anyway it was very interesting and also a good like little reminder that when you do something long enough, you just kind of get in the swing of it and you forget all of the stuff that you learned. <laughs> that is so true. That's so true. Can I? Oh, my God, Morgan. Can you make me a workout plan and a meal plan? Thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I'm triggered. Oh, my God. I did. I just thought about that. You've had to deal with both. Yeah. Like, yeah. The amount of, and the amount of workout plans that I've made in my lifetime is ridiculous. I've made way more workout plans than nutrition plans for some reason. uh, That's funny. I just thought about that. Wild. (laughs) Well, good talk, guys. That was fun. Yeah. This was a fun one. Thanks for joining us on Dietitian Power Hour. This is Libby. I'm Morgan. And I'm Cody. We drop episodes every Tuesday night. Find us on Instagram at Dietitian Power Hour Pod, and you can also follow us on Spotify.